Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. Holy moly, do we got an episode for you today. I had Adam Linneman on from the Green Executive, and he's breaking down this concept of profit first for landscapers. He has an entire system that he's developed, and not developed, I mean, Mike Michalowicz came up with the entire system, but he's now created it and got the right allocation set for our industry. And if you don't know what profit first is, it's a system where you actually take monies each time you get paid from your customer, it goes to a general account, and then you break it up into smaller sub accounts, if you will, that you can make sure that each time you get paid, it goes in the right account and you're not overspending in certain areas. It's a way to finally make a business work for you. So uh, if that excites you, listen to this episode. We've got tons of nuggets in here. It was, um, what a wild, it was a great time. Adam's a great uh, guest and he just keeps dropping the knowledge. It's incredible. So uh, listen and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, and today's episode is sponsored by Yes Express, where we help landscapers, hardscapers, and outdoor living pros double their sales in half the time. So today, we have a special guest on who has, uh, he was part of taking this concept. You've heard us talk in this podcast before about this concept of profit first, uh, Michael Michalowicz's book, and he's actually taken it and gotten it into the wording that works directly with our industry, the landscaping and hardscaping and and land and uh, lawn care industry. So I wanted to bring him on the show and talk about how he's seen the integration. He's done this with dozens of different companies, and I wanted to get a sense of how it makes it easier since he's looking at it through our eyes and how he can actually help you see the benefits of actually working with different accounts and this whole entire philosophy to make your business more uh, more profitable and also to help with you. You know, owning a business is not easy. It's very stressful at times and having certain accounts allocated is going to help that stress level go way down because you're not always wondering if you're going to have enough money at the end of the month. You actually know what's going on. So um, Adam Linneman, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. So, hey, why don't we jump in here first? Tell us a little bit about your background, where you come from, how you got into the green industry and, uh, you know, and eventually how you started Green Executive and how that journey was. Sure. So I've been in the green industry since I was 14, uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs starting mowing grass around the neighborhood, making, making cash money and, and loving it. Right. So I've had my business, uh, Lineman Lawn and Landscaping for going on 29 years now, uh, back in 19, uh, I'm sorry, 2017 is when, uh, we started the green executive, which is a landscape industry consulting firm. Uh, we are LMN software certified consultants. We are profit first professionals certified in the profit first methodology and also certified in QuickBooks. So that's what we do. We help other landscape contractors, uh, build better businesses and truly achieve and sustain permanent profitability. I love it. I love it. So what was the pivot? I mean, you've been going so many years mowing lawns and doing landscaping and then all of a sudden consulting. 
How did that happen? So, you know, I, I was in many uh, peer groups in the past before I had my own consulting company. I, I've, I've learned and went to a lot of great seminars from, from, from several of the greats that are out there still today, right, that are teaching uh, others how to be better at business. And a lot of the things that I was hearing and learning is st- stuff I know, is stuff that I just need to implement myself. And I always felt like I had a good uh, sense of accountability on my end. And I wanted to kind of help others um, with that as well. So that's where the Green Executive started, like I said, in 2017. It honestly was a, uh, a movement of what are we going to do when we retire, mm-hmm. right? What, what's going to be the transition? And so with that, uh, the start of launching actually a peer group, uh, the consulting business took off. A lot of people love the fact that my wife, Sarah, worked in the business mm-hmm. and she started consulting as well. Um, you know, her her background um, is at least in the, in the landscaping business is kind of in the HR um, payroll uh, areas like that. And so that's where I had her. But a lot of landscape business owners have, you know, their husband and wife team and, and they necessarily can or they can't work together. And so I think that was where our niche kind of started to stand out and allowed us to grow our business was husband and wife team day to day, you know, in the business, in the, in the trenches, we understand, we know what's going on and we still have our business today. That's amazing. And how is it having a husband wife team? I, I grew up in a family business where it was my mother and father ran it and my brother and I worked alongside of them and learned so much when we were young. And, and then I was in business, with my brother and father for almost 15 years. And, you know, there's a, an amazing thing that happens when you work with family. But then the problem was, is, is going home at night. Right. So I said, when I got married, right. that I would, I would never be in business with my wife. <laughs> I said that and I was like, you know what? And it's helped well, you know, she's, she has her own, her own chiropractic practice and she does her thing. And when I've, you know, different things that I do and, and what's amazing is we come home at night and we can be together and not be in each other's business, if you will. So how does that work with you guys? How have you held that together and how have you grown a business, you know, as a husband wife team? Well, I, I can tell you that we haven't always held it together. So okay. the, the, the truth of the matter is, is uh, she did come and work at Lindemann Lawn Care and Landscaping in their office a couple of days a week helping out mm-hmm. um, there. And, and we did that for maybe six months or so and it just wasn't working out. So we actually stepped back. Mm-hmm. Um, she stopped coming into the office. She started doing things more remotely. Um, and, and that seemed to, to solve our problem of talking <laughs> about work at nighttime and having yeah. a, a disagreements and so on. And what she realized is, and I did too, is that we really need to have clear expectations of what each person's responsibilities are. Yeah. And there really needs to be pretty much a clear uh, understanding of um, respect, I guess, you know, uh, at business, just like there would be at home, but you can't yeah. inter, inter, intermingle that. So, um, it's important if you do have a significant other that works in your business is to really have job descriptions for each person and make sure yeah. there's clear definitions. So there's no commingling of, uh, things that could happen, I guess. So. Absolutely, dude. And I can reflect on that watching my parents run a business and having them, you know, and, and that, you know, when you start a business, they don't get a book from the, from the state that tells you how to run a business. They just care about collecting taxes. Right. So at the end of the day, they, right. uh, you figure all that out on your own. And I remember many days when they're looking at each other, like, I thought you were going to do that. No, I thought you were going to do that. No, I thought you were going to do that. Like they never had clear roles or anything in place. And that led to, you know, some confrontations at times. So, you know, it is so, mm-hmm. so true, especially when you take that home to the dinner table and the bedroom. Right. So it's like, right. you have to be clear on what these things are. And for some couples it works and for others it doesn't but i'm glad that that's worked out for you and that you found your balance you know and and have yes. that, that laid out so 
Um, that's really cool. So let's get into the profit first side of things. So tell us a little bit more about for listeners who don't know what profit first is, uh, where it comes from, what it even means and how it can impact sure. the business, regardless of the landscaping world, just in business in general. Sure. So profit first uh, is a cash flow methodology and how traditional um, accounting methods really looks at it as your sales minus your expenses equals your profit. So it's saying your profits last. Okay. And what we say as profit first professionals is typically what comes last isn't most important to you in your life. Same thing with family, right? You you put your family first. It's more important to you. So we flip that equation and we say sales minus profit equals expenses. And so through um, opening up a a series of a minimum of five bank accounts and every time you go to the bank to make deposits from the the checks or the money you collect from your clients, you're simply divvying that money into these five separate bank accounts to bring clarity in your business. Okay. And when you do, that sounds like a lot of work, dude, right? I'm I'm listening or listening (laughs) like, I got one a bank account. I barely get to the bank once a week now. How the hell am I going to take my, my, my checks and break them up? I can't take a pair of scissors and cut them up, right? And then give them to them. So how does that work? How have you found people have been most uh, successful in that? And why is that important to break up your checks this early? So what we have found is it's really maybe a 10 or 15 minute uh, thing to do once a week. We recommend doing your allocations into your bank accounts once a week. And really what you're doing is you're depositing all your money into your one account at first, which is your income account. Mm -hmm. And then your other four accounts are going to be your profit, your profit account, your owner's pay account, your tax account, and your operating expense account. So after you deposit your money into your income account, you're simply doing bank transfers at home or wherever and moving certain percentages into those other accounts. So that's kind of the concept behind it. It's very, very similar to the old envelope system, like maybe your parents or your grandparents may have used back in the day to where if one of them worked, they brought home uh, the check and they cashed it. They took the cash and they divvied it up into different envelopes for different things. Maybe they put you know, 10% towards groceries. Maybe they put 10% towards a vacation fund. Maybe they put another 20% towards the mortgage or so on. That's what we do with Profit First, but we use bank accounts versus envelopes. Got it. And then I love that because if you put it into a general account, your general business account, then you can go home on your computer, on your cell phone, and you can move percentages around into these accounts and watch them. So uh, I know for owning a business for businesses for the last 25 years that sometimes, you know, you put a lot of money in an account and the next thing you know, you're like, I got plenty of money in there. And then tax time comes and you don't have as much in there. And pretty soon other operating expenses come in and you don't have it. And you think you had all this money and you really don't. So the concept of putting this away. So when, what have you seen now that you've implemented this into not just your business, but in other people's businesses as well? What kind of result are you seeing with uh, businesses who take this approach and actually divvy up the money and focus on profit before their, uh, you know, their, their expense side? So it's, it's a mindset shift, right? Of putting your profit first. Um, and it brings, like I said, so much more clarity of where the funds are going. Ultimately, what ends up happening is... Um, business owners realize that they're probably not either charging enough, their margins aren't correct, or um, or their sales just aren't there. And that's why they're not meeting their bills. And what we say is that if you can't pay your bills, you can't afford your bills, right? Mm -hmm. So this really brings a lot of that into into account. Uh, Also, something I want to mention too is oftentimes um, if a business uh, 
is using uh, accounting software such as QuickBooks or whatever, and if they run a profit and loss statement, um, and maybe their PL says, hey, we made a 5%, a 10%, a 20% profit this year. But the problem that they have is most of the times is, is they might be showing a profit, but they don't actually have that cash, that, yeah. that cash profit in the bank. And so that's this is what Profit First solves, um, because what we do as Profit First professionals is we look at not only the PL, but you also have to take into consideration your balance sheet. Yeah. And things that live on your balance sheet are going to be, you know, liabilities and, and things like loans and things like that. So even though you have a, 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 pro, a positive PL, you also have stuff that's on your balance sheet that you're using cash to pay for. Yeah. And so that's why you don't have the cash in the bank. And once again, Profit First solves that, even by simply if you were to start today. And not even open up five bank accounts, but just open up one bank account and call it your profit account and just put 1% away, yeah. you're guaranteed a 1% cash profit every time you make a deposit. So that's our challenge uh, with yeah. landscape professionals that don't that are scared or, or are unsure about starting the profit first methodology, the system of, of the five core accounts. Open yeah. up one account and just put 1% away. I love that. I love it. And I've told my students many times that, you know, one of the bigger plays here, the goal is not to own your job, right? It's to own a business that, that produces an ROI at the end where you have a team that runs it and you are basically managing that team and you get better and better and you do less and less of the, the actual stuff day to day. Now, with that being right. said, the ultimate goal in that is to be able to pull monies out of that business and invest in long-term cash flow producing assets, right? So that you don't have to be stuck every single month going out and mowing those lawns or mulching those beds or building those outdoor living spaces. If, if the focus is, and this is, I think could play right into the profit first side, if there was a bucket or an account where you put X amount of percent every, every time you get paid, whatever it might be into it for long-term asset. And eventually you build up a couple thousand bucks, you know, pretty soon 10 or 15 or 20. And pretty soon you go out and you can buy, say, real estate or you can go out and do these things, but you're doing it purposefully. Sure. Right. And that's the thing yep. at the end of the year, if you always see this big chunk of money in an account, you're like, I got lots of money, man. I got lots of money. I can be lazy this weekend. I don't have to sell as much. Or I don't have to do these kinds of things. But when you divvy it up, it's very different because now you're like, all of that money is already allocated. All of that operating expense is already spent. All this tax money is already spent. Right. So you're not getting this this idea that you have all this money sitting there when you really don't. I know this because I've been through this many, many times where I'm like, sweet, we got plenty of money. Yeah, we can go buy that piece of equipment. Yeah, no big deal. We don't have to sell it. Forget that guy. You know, we'll just go to another project or whatever. We don't need to upcharge them that much for this. And next thing you know, a few months later, it's not that way. And now you're struggling. You, you'll you right. take any project possible. But having a system like this will absolutely help you understand. And I love that you're you're doing it. So I'd like to dive a little bit deeper if we can in the difference between cash sure. and pocket and profit on a profit and loss statement. Can you get a little bit more into depth about the difference between that big number on that profit and loss and what's actually cash? Sure. So um, how, how I like to talk about that actually is in the QuickBooks format of you can run a PL on a cash basis or you can run a PL in a accrual basis. And I, I believe by default, um, QuickBooks says your PL is going to be an accrual basis. And what that might look like, say for instance, for a lawn care company, if they um, if they're serving a thousand customers or a hundred customers, and twenty percent of those customers are prepays at the beginning of the year, their PL is going to look really, really healthy, right, at the beginning of the year because they're getting all that cash up front. Yep. Okay. And then if they go to a cash basis, it's a matter of when you actually collect it. So if you're billing out. 
and, and you're billing out a lot of money at first, it's going to look really healthy, but you really need to collect all that. So yeah. your business isn't anything if you don't have a good collection system, if you're not on top of your customers and making sure that, um, you know, you're handling your past dues in a timely manner. Um, another thing that we talk oftentimes with our clients about is, uh, we, you know, we have landscape contractors that are doing, um, you know, large landscape install projects, $50,000, $100,000 jobs. And um, sometimes, especially with COVID, that they are having an issue with uh, maybe getting material and to finish a job up, for instance. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a one landscaper that wasn't invoicing his customer be- because the job wasn't done and he couldn't get the material for another six or eight weeks. Yeah. Well, we talked to him about, hey, let's start looking at building in progress payments, yes. you know, down payments for the jobs, uh, maybe another 50% when you're halfway through and then collect a remainder at the end. So these are all strategies that we use for positive cash flow and why that's important to really keep that coming in um, all the time. Yeah. And, and the when you look at your profit and loss statement, you know, most guys can do that. They go on QuickBooks online or most likely QuickBooks of some sort. And you're going to see profit and loss like, all right, cool. It's, it's, it's a bigger than zero. We're good. Or it's got, a, you know, it looks really big. But the problem is you can't take mm-hmm. that profit and loss statement to the bank and write a check for that number. Right. right. It's a philosophy. And, 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 and that, that is because of the balance sheet. Yeah, that is because yep. of the balance sheet. And that's what we say, too, is um, I don't know why this is, but I guess I guess probably the majority, uh, I, I would assume, of landscape contractors are probably male. That's probably safe to say in the United States. Right. And maybe it's a maybe it's a, a, a male or a man thing. But we like shiny new equipment. Us oh, guys yeah. like yeah. dump trucks. Us guys <laughs> like skid steers. We like all this equipment. Yes, and so do. that's where I think a lot of contractors, they get into trouble is they don't make good business decisions with their purchases. If they buy that new mini excavator, it's probably sitting there 80% of the time yep. when, when they could be actually using it. So you really need to ask yourself, you know, questions before you go out and make these purchases. No, you know, totally is, the, is the purchase what I'm about to make good for the company? Mm-hmm. Is the purchase what I'm about to make good for the customer? And can the purchase wait? Yeah. So those are the three ones that you should be asking yourself before you go out and make these these big purchases, these, you know, $100,000 dump trucks and skid steers and so on. But Adam, I love having a nice squeaky <laughs> clean excavator sitting by my shop that I can sit back at the end of the day and have a beer with the guys on and say, look at this, this is all mine. Look at this, right. I own this thing, right? Unfortunately, the bank <laughs> probably owns most of it, if not all of it, right? They, so you have, probably the, do. have the rights to use it. Trust me, I've been there. I remember going and buying trucks and being like, oh, I can't wait to drive this around town. Let's be honest, right? That's what it is. Look at this big ass truck. Look at this trailer with all these graphics on the side. Let's, I can't wait to drive through the middle of that town. Look, I finally made it. Right. And, and I remember spending a lot of money just trying to keep up that image. And I learned later in my life that that really was not the way to do it. Right. And that excavator probably yeah. wasn't the best you know, thing. You can always find uses for it. Right. Like right. pretty soon you're like, I did the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's so I did exciting. the same thing, you know? Yeah. I was like, I got this. Yeah, this was just 12 years ago. I got this big and shiny new John Deere tractor, you know, with a cab and a brush cutter. And I'm going to oh, start yeah. brush cutting lawns or our big fields and this and that. Yeah. I was like, this thing's sitting a lot. We yeah. really need a, a rubber track skid steer, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So we're getting a lot more use out of that. So yeah, you got to make good business decisions. And, and I've made a lot of mistakes on purchases and things like that myself. Yeah, but now I'm proud to say that, um, you know, our, I mean, through good good cash flow management through our business, which has helped trans, translate back into us personally, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're basically a, a debt-free company and a debt-free personally as well. I mean, our house is paid off and things Perfect. like that. So it's a wonderful feeling yes. to be able to not have 
um, all that liability and, and promissory notes that you have to pay back, right? Oh, today's sales nugget is going to be interesting. Today is all about rapport. So rapport is connecting with people, whether it's in business or in life, it doesn't really matter. It's about making a connection. Are we like each other? Do we have similar interests? Are we out for the same goals, right? With that being the case, we have to be able to do that right away up front pretty quick. And some people do that pretty naturally where they can uh, have the gift of gab and they can easily just communicate back and forth. And for others, it's not as easy. Right. So some meeting somebody new can be nerve wracking. It can be, uh, you know, it can raise anxiety. It could be making you a bit nervous. So there's a simple steps that you can do in order to start that uh, rapport building process. The first of all, you have to understand one major thing. So when building rapport, it is not about them uh, coming in and listening to how great you are. That is not what this is about. They don't want to hear about you. They want you to ask them amazing questions that make them look good. So when you're starting to build rapport, start asking questions like, so what's your favorite thing to do on vacation? If they start talking about vacation, where's your favorite place to go? How many times have you been there? Do you take the whole family? That's the kind of conversations that others can sink their teeth into and start talking about how amazing they are because everybody wants to talk about how great they are. That's just a human condition. So let's put up a, a stage or a platform for our clients to do just that and ask by leading with really good questions. And when you lead with really good questions, you're going to find that your clients are just going to open up and start to trust a lot faster. So make it all about them. Make the show all about your clients. Don't bore them with all your details. They don't care. What they care about is, is being uh, asked amazing questions so they can feel like they're really valued and that you really truly care. And make sure when you're asking these questions that you do truly care and you act like a detective trying to figure out a case and you just ask amazing questions and let them come to life and make them be the superstar. That's the secret to building amazing rapport. So how did you get there, Adam? If you said about debt-free, you know, on the business side, and we can even go into the personal side, like what was your philosophy? How did you get to that point? You're a young guy. So I'm curious how you got there. The wife helped out a lot. The wife is, is, um, is, is very, very frugal of, of a person. Sarah is, you know, uh, but she, she's smart. So, um, you know, she made some conscious decisions to, uh, to help, uh, make extra, uh, principal payments on, on loans that we had. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think we've all probably heard, uh, you know, the, the, the stories behind that, for instance, on a, on a 30 year note, you know, if you make your extra principal payments, you can pay that off much quicker, Oh yeah, you know, maybe down to 15 or 20 years versus mm -hmm. 30. If you're just putting a couple hundred bucks a month extra towards that. So she Absolutely. helped out with that a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly was, was just, um, you know, a, a supporter to, to get us, uh, you know, in a much healthier state and, uh, when you start seeing the results, you're like, yes, this is awesome. And you feel so much better whenever you get some of these things, uh, equipment and so on paid off. How does that feel though? When you finally have, you know, that, that piece of equipment paid off and you'll know, way earlier, your house paid off way early. Like how does it change the way you look at business and life? Um, it, to me, when you, when you have something large paid off, like a, like a home mortgage, mm -hmm. uh, it definitely makes you feel top of the mountain. I don't know how else to explain mm -hmm. it, but it does it, it, you know, because I mean, you know, there's so much uh, of keeping up with the Joneses in this world. It's just nonsense. Oftentimes, yeah. you know, I mean, our house isn't anything extravagant, but it's not, you know, 800 square feet either, but yeah. it just makes you feel so much better knowing that, um, that you have that. And then not to mention, like you mentioned, you know, long-term assets. Well, we do, we do have six or seven rental properties and duplexes, nice. things like that. 
So we're investing into there. Mm-hmm. Um, we know, uh, you know, we have two boys at home that are 11 and 13. We know that we want to probably um, either purchase again or, or or move down to to Florida, maybe uh, to, to a warmer area uh, outside of the St. Louis area when the kids get to be a little bit older. So we have those things and we have that cash in place that we're building up to where we can do that and not burden anybody else. It's a great feeling. And how are you finding extra cash? I mean, now you've paid off a lot of your debt, but how are you finding extra cash to invest in these long-term cash flow producing assets? You know, real estate in this case. Mm, extra cash, extra cash. Um, what, 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 do you, what do you mean exactly? Can you kind of... Uh, well, I mean, obviously your bills have gone down now with the fact that you don't sure. have these other bills. So that could obviously be mm-hmm. one way. But I know that often in the very beginning when I first started, you know, it was always like uh, the money that I did get, I wanted to go out and buy shiny things, right? Because like, okay, mm-hmm. I want, because it's a matter of proving, especially as a man, you want to prove that you're being successful, even though the bank owns most of it. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain point we started, my wife and I started saving uh, our monies. And, and as we did, we then had some monies left to the side so that when we got into real estate, that we could actually invest and have it. But that only happened mm-hmm. because we consciously started putting money away, like I mentioned earlier in our, in our conversation. So I didn't know if you had other ways you were thinking about how you got into real estate, why that was a good angle for you. And because I know personally, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm financially free now. My family is as well because of real estate. And that happened mm-hmm. over about a two year span, but from beginning to end. So the reason why I'm even saying that is because it is an incredible vehicle for so many different things. But as a landscaper, I'm not you know, uh, I'm not a real estate person. Like I don't understand that world. I'm scared to death of it. I was too, when I first got into it. And then once I understood it, it was a lot easier, but first of all, it was coming up with capital, then knowing where to deploy it and then how to manage that asset. So I'm curious about your journey in there and how you came up with that option. I would say uh, we got into real estate a little bit by luck and a little bit by just being smart once again with our finances and and, and paying things off quicker and whatnot. Um, how we originally got into real estate was we got approached by a actual a propane tank supplier that had a huge, I don't know, 100,000 gallon propane tank on the property. And he was looking to get out of his business in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted to know if we would be interested in buying the property, but he would lease back the property to us for X amount of years to keep that propane tank on there. Mm-hmm. He was actually, he sold propane to, to rural homes in the area. So we bought that property. We had the, the agreement uh, with him that he was going to lease back part of it. And it basically made the mortgage payment on that property at the time. And then lo and behold, here comes uh, dollar general. Hey, you got three acres. Can we buy an acre from you? Yeah. And that one acre that we sold paid for the property that we just bought from the propane guy. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started, but you really need to, I mean, it is very helpful to have, um, to have that, that little bit of cash to get started. So, yeah. uh, that's why I say somewhat luck, somewhat also, um, you know, good money management and, and, and being careful with our spends, not always having that shiny new equipment and so on that helped a lot too. Um, I can tell you that every other additional uh, investment property, rental property that we bought since then, it's, we've always asked or made, made sure we asked ourselves these questions is number one, if it's a house, would we live there if we had to? I mean, is it decent enough for us to live there? So we won't buy anything if it's like, you know, too far gone or, mm-hmm. or even necessarily too nice. So that's kind of the one question that we ask ourselves. And um, yeah, would, would, would we live there ourselves? And then is it already kind of income producing? So much of our the duplexes and rental houses that we've that we've had, they've already been occupied or still currently occupied and that the tenants came with the deal. So that makes it a little bit easier as well. Awesome. 
No, it's, there's no better way. And gentlemen out there, I, I learned this way too late in life. And I want to, you know, give you this, this little nugget. The fact that we, we think in business in the beginning that the, the flex is to buy the equipment and to go into debt for things that are depreciating, which is basically losing value daily as you use them become worth less. That was the flex back in the day, the new truck, the new trailer, the new equipment to drive around and bigger trucks. We, we were buying Kenworths with big deck over trailers to drive all of our toys around and parade and be, make sure we spent all the money on the logo so everybody knew who the fuck it was, right? And that's that's what, that's all <laughs> ego, right? It's all ego because none of it makes sense in the end yeah. of the day when you look at it, but that's, that's what it was. That's how I grew up. And then at a certain point, I realized that the biggest flex that you can possibly do as a man is to retire your family, is to start learning how to invest in something that isn't this business it's something that produces a consistent cash flow while you're sleeping mm -hmm. and that's really when everything starts to change you know and i'm so happy you found that that line i know a lot of people that have but in our our industry i don't think that that story has been told very often because we're too busy grinding out in the field constantly just trying to make ends meet that we don't think about another another way we could live Right. And I don't have any I don't have any programs to sell on this. This is not like some kind of staging for for something. I'm going to try to CTA you at the end. Right. That's not what it's about. It's more about just starting to think about with this profit first system, if there's possibility that in that bucket, there's an investment bucket somewhere or it's part of one of your long term buckets that you can start accumulating, because that's the first thing I hear when I tell people about this. They say, oh, I don't have any money. I'm like, but you got all that equipment. Do you need all that equipment? Let's think about this. Maybe there's a bucket you put money into. That's a no touch bucket. That's my future. That's my cash flow generating asset bucket. And once I get to a certain point that you don't need 100% to, to get these homes rolling, you can get into hard money. You can get into other things. Banks will, will there's leverage, all that stuff. So with that being the case, you don't need a ton to get into it. And then when you start accumulating, next thing you know, maybe it's 100, 200, $300 a door a month. Pretty soon you're starting to maximize. Hey, I only need five grand a, a month to live. Okay, good. That's, that's, your, that's your survival level, right? Good. Then I need what? Do the math quick if it's 200 a door, right? I need what? 25 doors. So if that's the case, you need 25 doors at 200. Just doing some quick math here. Make sure I'm right. Yeah, $5,000. And uh, next thing you know, you're like, holy moly, I've got $5,000 coming in. It's going to be grueling. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. I sure have. I got broken bones and bruises from this too. But at the end of the day, you're like, holy shit. It's pretty cool, right? Everything tastes so, different. That so, way. Josh. What, what we um, say, so we have the five core bank accounts. And one more time, I'm going to repeat them just one more time. It's sure. the profit account, your uh, owner's pay account, your tax account, and your operating expense account. And yes. your first one's your income. So income, mm -hmm. ta income, profit, owner's pay, uh, tax, and operating expense. Yes. Uh, that's kind of basic. Um, if you work with a profit first professional, you know, we can do more advanced. And like you said, you could open up a six account. Maybe mm -hmm. it is for, maybe you want to, to, to buy land and buy and build your own shop one day. Yeah. Maybe you start funneling two, three, four percent of all money coming in into that account to be able to see if you can afford your new mortgage that may be coming on a new shop. Yeah. Or if you're wondering, oh, hey, we need to hire another salesperson. Maybe you should open up another bank account and start funding that a little bit to see if you can afford another salesperson. So you can use that also as as, as a way to to see how you can make your business really work and, and see if you can afford your new expenses. Absolutely. And, and to also be thinking through a business side of things that you should have at least, I've heard a lot of different things, but I like to have at least three to six months of core capital 
sitting in an account. So if it costs, if your burn rate is a $10,000 a month, you should have, you know, 30 to 60,000 sitting somewhere in case things slow down, you know, economic times change, uh, something happens that you have a backup. So you're not going paycheck to paycheck. I know all this sounds amazing for people making money, but let's be honest. If you're out there grinding it every single day and you're not making money, all you're doing is stealing time from your family. Let's be honest. That just, it's what it is. I've been there. It's, sucks. So if you're not out there charging what you're worth and not making money to put into these accounts, then it means you need to really rethink what you're actually doing out there. And is it just to get away from the family? Because if you're losing money, you're just stealing from them. So this might be a bit of a, an awakening for some. You might say, well, my market doesn't work that way. I can't charge as much. You are only going to charge as much as the value you bring to your customers. The more value you bring to your customers, the more you can charge. And maybe the customers you have right now aren't the right ones for you, for your new future. Maybe you need to level up your customers because there's always people out there with money. I don't care what the economic time, there's always people with money out there. And the ones that have more of it, they tend to spend it no matter when. So maybe you're just talking to the wrong people. Maybe you've got your ladder up against the wrong building and you keep climbing up and eventually you realize, oh crap, these people are never going to be able to take me where I want to go. I need to go to a different building and start climbing again. And that doesn't have to be all at once. You can do that slowly. You can just start twisting and moving over to the other building. But just a thought to go out there now. You did mention before about payment process, you know, when it comes to being paid for projects. I know I struggled with this over the years because I was afraid to ask for money from clients and where they would give me a deposit up front. I tried to get as much as I could. This way I didn't have to ask later for it. And then sometimes that pushed people away. And other times I got all that money to your point earlier in this conversation. And then my bank accounts were just spanking full of cash. And then I'm thinking like, man, I got all this money. And I wasn't thinking six months out by the time I actually build all this stuff. And there's no expenses tied to that. It's all income. And that's when you go out and buy that truck because the year is going to be amazing because it's coming up. You know, we're right now recording in December. You get a couple of nice big deposits over the winter and it looks like you're rich. And then all of a sudden come midsummer after you've built, you're poor again, right? It's just up and down. And that's what I love about this profit first concept is you don't have the chance to do that because you've already had that allocated. It, it saves you from those kinds of experiences. But we talk about payments for projects and We've used a couple of different methods to do this, but the ultimate goal in any business, and I want to hear more of your take on this as well, is to make sure you're getting paid in an order of expense. So if you're getting $100, that you're actually expensing whatever expense to that $100 happens at around the same time you get the money. Not that you get a huge swath of money and then you've got six months and you wait till the very end of the project is completely finished and then you get the last chunk of money. To have it done in progress payments, as you mentioned, you know, as for us, we're probably, we're design managed, so we don't have any inner in-house crews. So as we get paid from our client, our our uh, partners get paid as well. So if we don't get paid, they don't get paid. That's just how it works, right? So there's never money out of pocket. We don't fund this. We're not a bank. So I want to hear your side of how that works better with your system and what you've found as far as these progress payments, how it helps with cash flow, and how it really helps with with people running a more uh, solid business that's not kind of wiggly all over the place based on how monies are coming in. Sure. Well, let, let's start with, um, you know, with like the progress payment. So like I mentioned, you know, hardscape projects, I highly recommend getting uh, a, a chunk down in the beginning, maybe a progress payment in the middle and then, and then invoicing out the remainder at the end. On the lawn care side of things, I think it's huge. And this was, I, I feel like uh, something I should have done way sooner back in my career. But, uh, you know, we used to start cutting grass maybe in the St. Louis area in the March, early April, we would cut for four weeks. We send out an invoice and we give them 30 days to pay. In the meantime, I'm paying payroll, I'm paying expenses, I'm, I'm paying all this, all these other things. And 
Now I'm not having that, that great cash flow coming through and I'm having a hard time paying my bills. So what we did is we started transitioning your customers to seasonal payments. So whether it be nine months or 12 months, what was maybe a, a two or $3,000 lawn care residential account is now paying, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month for, for progress payments throughout the whole season or the whole year. Mm-hmm. That helps drastically. If you can get money up front, you're going to be cash flow positive. Obviously, you're going to have the money in the bank. You're going to you're going to have a, a a much less of a difficult time on paying your bills as they come in because your electric bill doesn't stop in December or January. That's right. But the grass cutting does. So you have to get creative. You have to be innovative with how you're how you're charging your customers, and you have to take those those things into consideration. One more thing I wanted to mention real quick is. Another mistake I feel like I made back in the day is we used to offer, you know, three, five, seven percent off of prepays for prepaid discounts for mm-hmm. lawn care applications and so on. I don't know why we did that because that that was either all or half of a profit that we were oh, yeah. making yeah. for the year yeah. on that. And we didn't realize that because we didn't know our numbers well enough at the time. Yeah. Now, what we do is we, is we do know our numbers well, but we also still give a discount, but it's back in the form of a gift certificate towards future services. Mm. OK, nice. So if you go in any guy's wallet or woman's purse, you're going to find gift certificates that are probably expired and never been used. So you're going to have that. And then the ones that do use those certificates are going to be using them, hopefully on upsells, on enhancements and so on. So look at that and stop giving money off the top. You're so right, dude. The first time you give a discount to anything, it directly comes out of profit. Nothing else. Your expenses are always the same. Your manpower is always the same. Now, all of a sudden, it comes right out of that profit side. And so if you are working on shoestring budgets on projects and you have a 5 to 10% you know, uh, net profit at the end, and you're giving them a 10% discount to sign up early, you're basically working for free. That's yep. the crazy part. It took me too many years to figure that out, right? I'm like, well, it's only 10% right. of the project. No, it's the 10% of the project that I'm actually working for. It's called the profit side. So yep. uh, it's so important. But to your point, have them kind of buy back in and and you know to have other services and upgrades and things like that, which is going to be super important for you know the longevity of the business and keeping everything moving forward. And so um, I, I love that concept. And so are you saying that the way you found for the lawn care side of things is to to take like a lump sum for the whole year, or is it to take a small lump sum and then a, a monthly throughout the year? Like, what, what, I, I'm a little unclear about that. What, what we do is we simply would take um, the whole lump sum for the year and divide it into either nine or 12 monthly payments is what we Got did it. for okay. long care. Got it. And, Got and it. that was, that was, that was even, we actually did nine, 12 would be better. I didn't think we could push our customers to do 12 months. And want to pay us, you know, in December, January, because just the mindset of the customer, hey, they're not here doing anything. Haven't explained that. But we did nine. So we invoiced March 1st. Um, It was due March 15th. If the customer didn't pay, we were like, hey, are you still a customer? Are you canceling? Why aren't you paying? That type thing. Um, But we had cash up front and that helped us uh, with a lot of our expenses. And and then, you know, manpower is actually... um, you know, heavier and overtime and things like that during our peak season too. So that helps out if you can get that progress payment up and then get paid quicker. Um, And then I think it's important too, is tidying up your, your AR, right. Uh, Staying on top of your, your past dues. I mean, that's huge also. Uh, Don't let customers get too far behind and, and uh, cut off services early if you need to. And and don't, don't be taken advantage of. hundred percent, dude, hundred percent. And you know uh, it's, it's important because in the, especially in the hardscaping world, you know, where we don't do monthly payments of any sort or big lump sums, they could be 20,000, 50, right. 100,000, whatever it might be for you. 
it's the management of those funds that is really where a lot of business owners struggle. I know I did when I first started out. I got I got these, you know, when I started seeing six figures in the business account, I'm like, damn, this is incredible. Like mm-hmm. coming from just doing basic cleanups and things like that and eventually doing a bigger project where you get a $30,000 slug and you put it in there and you're like, man, I've never seen that much money before. The problem is, like I had mentioned before, you don't realize any of the expenses until later. So it looks like you have all this money, but it's the management of that money then. And we have to become money managers. And that's, again, something that we're not taught as business owners on Business Owner 101 when we (laughs) sign that document to become an LLC or a business, right? So um, that's why I love this concept of profit first, because it makes it stupid simple. It's like you get $30,000 in, percentages go in each of these buckets. You got what you need. Let's go kill something else. You know what you can spend right. and what you can't spend it on. So take me through how you allocate how much goes in each of those those accounts and uh, how you came up with those figures so that it's not just like this crazy, like 5, 10, 15, 20% kind of thing. Like, how did you come up with that? Sure. So Mike McCallowitz actually came up with, with the target allocation percentages, and I have yeah. them here in front of me. And the, the, the percentages do change, though. And I want to stress that the percentages do change based off the company size. Okay. Okay. If you get to be a you know a ten to fifty million dollar company, actually your owner's pay is probably like zero or one yep. percent because you're taking at that point in time all the probably hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or millions of dollars that are in your profit account. You're taking distributions because you're you know this is more or less of a shareholder focus mm-hmm. when you implement profit first, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but th- those percentages do change as the company grows, and the reason why they change is because of overhead cycles. Mm-hmm. So a two or $4 million company is going to have much more overhead than a single solopreneur mm-hmm. that is out cutting lawns. Yeah. But let's just say for a company that's doing $250,000 in revenue or less. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we're looking at, uh, 5% should go into the profit account, uh, 50% up to 50% owner's pay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're doing a hundred thousand dollars in revenue or $200,000 in revenue, we're, we're recommending 50 to a hundred thousand dollars in owner's pay. Mm-hmm. If you're doing that much in revenue, Putting 15% away for taxes, that's what Profit First says. We have seen about 7 to 10%, a little more accurate. So, so just a heads up there for the landscape industry. And then your operating expense is about 30% or maybe 35% there. So it. it can be done. These TAPs or targeted allocation percentages are in... Uh, our Profit First for Landscapers ebook that you can download right off our website um, or, or get the Profit First book by all means. Um, but these percentages are in there. Um, know that these are where financially healthy companies are hitting. Your percentages may be much less and lower, but the goal as we as Profit First professionals is to do an assessment of your business at least over the last 12 months of your financials to see where the company currently is in percentages and then help you transition to a much healthier state. And we do that through the coaching of, um, of like I mentioned through, you know, let's start getting cash flow in more mm-hmm. with, with payment structure, just getting uh, yeah. money up front um, and so on. So there's there's uh, quite a bit to it. It's not just moving money around. It's very much of coaching and accountability and coming up with innovative ideas on how you can be smarter with your assets in your business and run your business more profitably. I love it, dude. So tell me a bit more about the green executive. What kind of services do you offer? Is this the kind of thing that we're talking about here that you're like, hey, guys, come on board with us and we help you with all this? Like, how does that work? Sure. So um, Profit First for Landscapers is uh, one of our core service offerings. Um, another core service offering is, um, is is green industry bookkeeping services. So we offer that as well. 
uh, our, our clients uh, are required to be on QuickBooks online edition mm-hmm. uh, on that, but we're able to give them updated reports uh, on a regular basis to where they can make good business decisions based off of those reports. Um, if you implement profit first, you can do the same thing by looking at your bank accounts though. So yeah. FYI, yeah. Uh, but you want to have good, um, good accounting, uh, books for, you know, when it comes to be tax time and so on. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, so, uh, profit first bookkeeping services, uh, we're certified in, uh, LMN, which is landscape management network software and teaching that, uh, their budgeting workshops. So we offer that as well. And then just general coaching, uh, one-on-one coaching. We offer a few peer groups and so on. I love that, dude. I love it, dude. So anything else you want to, any other wisdom you want to bestow upon our listeners about the profit first in their business or business in general, hell, life in general? Do you have anything on your mind? Mm. You know, I I think it's important to be able to get your business to uh, allow you to take a vacation. And honestly, I don't care if it's a, a long weekend to start out but you need to start somewhere. There is a yep. lot of landscape business owners that cannot take off a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. You need to fix that first and then you can you can go from there. Um, I'm, I'm gonna brag, I'll be honest with you, we're taking three trips that are booked right now to the Riviera Maya in 2023. Sweet. I'm doing that love it. because of our profit account mm-hmm. and that's where we love to go, you know, and, and I think it's a total of like 28 days or something like that between the three vacations. So we're looking nice. forward to it. We, we got married there back years ago. We've been going almost every year, but it's so important to be able to get your business to a state to where you can go somewhere, whether, like I said, a, a long weekend or something. So that's my word of advice is to get some processes and procedures in place, get some cash flow methodology, like profit first in place, Yes, you know, it's the, the hustle and grind isn't truly long-term sustainable. It's going to wear you out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Physically, mentally, emotionally, everything is going to burn you the hell out. So I love that you have an opportunity for people to find a system that'll do most of the thinking for them and then they can make decisions. And I love the fact that you're taking three big vacations this year. It's amazing. I remember when I first met my, oh, I'm excited for you, dude. And <laughs> I remember when I first met my wife and she's from Germany and they, they, they do things a little differently over there. They, they take long vacations. It's just part of how they're wired. So I remember the first time when she's like, oh, we're going to go over and visit my family in Germany. I'm like, that's awesome. Let's go. And like, we're going to be there for two weeks. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, how am I going to leave the business for two weeks? I, I guess I got to figure it out, right? So we figured it out, but it was scary as hell in the beginning. It was so scary. I thought the whole entire thing was going to fall down when I was gone. I was so stressed out when I was gone um, this many years ago. But anyway, so it's like, man, after I came back, I'm like, huh, building didn't burn down. Clients are still happy. The team took over and they got even more involved and they took over. I, I see where I need to work on finding people to fill in my spots. Right. And after that, right. it became three weeks. And now, hell, I, I probably travel half of the year that I'm not in the office or more that I'm just constantly moving around doing different things. And it's because you took first the initiative to start figuring out those long weekends and then eventually to a week and then two weeks. And then to your point, 28 days in a year to travel to somewhere you love to be with your family. And then you sit back and you say, wow, this is what it's like to own a business huh, I thought it was always just me staying busy. And eventually when you're not busy and you're like, this is really what life is about. That's when everything changes, right? That's right. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Adam, how can people find you? I know the Green Executive. How do they find you with the Green Executive? You do social, like where do they look for you? Yeah, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much all the platforms. Um, or they can go to profitfirstpros.com or thegreenexecutive.com. And then the last thing I want to mention is check out our 1% challenge. Like I mentioned, uh, it will walk you through the steps of just opening up that one bank account, titling it uh, your 1% account, start putting 1% away. Don't touch it. 
and that will guarantee you profitability in 2023. Love that, dude. Adam, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I always love talking with people that got their shit dialed in like you do. And uh, I'm so excited that you've come into our industry and you're going to help people make this transition from barely making it to having money in an account and having the certainty that comes with different accounts and knowing that the money's in the right place and that they're not going to overspend or any of those kinds of things. So thank you for what you do. And uh, everyone out there listening, you know, Jump on the challenge, the 1% challenge, grab the book. I know he has an ebook as well. Get out there and just start opening your mind up to the possibility because this, my friends, this kind of thinking, this kind of psychological change, this, this philosophy change in what business really is, is how you get out of the rat race and how you finally get to live your life on your terms. So don't miss out on this. Until next week. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Absolutely, Adam. Until next week, guys, keep killing it.